Welcome to the Orange Crest Community Church Podcast. Our hope is that this weekly podcast provides both encouragement and challenge as you move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. Good to see you all. We've been, over the past three weeks, in this series where we're, where we're trying to move away from a real safe place in our prayer life to a riskier place where we'd actually step out on the edge and aim to uh, pray more dangerous prayers. And so we've looked so far at three dangerous prayers, and we've talked about how different they are than maybe the typical prayers that would come to our mind. Prayers like, God bless me, God be with me. Instead of praying safe prayers, we've been looking at how to pray prayers like, God search me. Search me is a pretty risky prayer to pray. Like, God, what do you see in, inside of my life? What do you see in me that I need to see. We also looked at the prayer, break me. We talked about how to offer ourselves up and, you know, hand over the things that maybe we're holding back from God and offer our whole lives up to Him. Last week, Scott spoke about praying strengthen me and how to be more specific and bold with our prayers. And so, oftentimes we pray and it's because we have a need. I mean, it, that's that's what prompts us to, to pray most of the time, I think, is is the needs that come up. We, we, we need some help. We need some guidance. And so, but in the Bible, uh, prayer doesn't only show up when people had needs. Uh, Jesus taught that at, it's at our core, for a Christ follower, prayer is really to be focused on doing God's will. So here's, here's the model prayer. This is called the Lord's Prayer. Uh, you, you see this in the book of Matthew. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. This is a real famous prayer that's often quoted. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins or our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So there's these... Uh, look at look at this uh, next slide. This is the dangerous part of that prayer. Okay, this is the dangerous aspect of the Lord's prayer. God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. That is that that is the risky aspect for us to pray. God, we want to see your agenda played out in this world. Uh, it's not just about you know me and what I'm focused on, but the dangerous aspect is asking God to to fulfill his purposes here on the earth. And when we start praying prayers like that, uh, it, the danger you know, escalates. Our status quo really, really begins to change. If you begin to pray these prayer, prayers more consistently, uh, your life is going is to change. <clears throat> when I was 18 years old, that's around the time when I decided to, to get serious about walking with Jesus Christ and really line my life up with his will and begin to uh, you know, prayer, uh, begin to pray and talk to God. It was at that same time when I began to sense God calling me towards ministry, vocational ministry. And I wrestled initially with the decision of going into ministry. I had studied something entirely different. And I was kind of afraid of what, what would my life look like if I went in this direction? What were the types of things I would have to do if I set out on this path of ministry? Uh, so there was a period of wrestling. Finally, I, I surrendered to... Uh, to God's will and, and set aside my plan and my agenda. And this is what most of us do when God asks us to do something that scares us. We have this wrestling match. We fight it 
And then, at a certain point, we, we yield to it. We surrender to it. And for me, stepping into ministry, there were several aspects of ministry that kind of frightened me. One was uh, this, the public speaking aspect of it. Um, wasn't something I was like energized by. Wasn't something I was like, oh, you know, I didn't, I didn't do speech and debate or drama or things like that growing up. And so stage, the stage wasn't the norm for me. Um, and I, I did enjoy going to watch people on stage, but it, I was never like, oh, one day I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be doing that. I'm going to have a role like that. So that was a frightening part of, of my call to ministry. Another thing was the counseling aspect of it. Uh, sitting with people and helping them work through challenging things. That wasn't, again, that wasn't something that I would have thought, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm wired for that. I'm built for that. I, I'm gifted at that. It was, again, it was something like, yeah, there's other people that, that can, do, can do those things. Uh, then the area of funerals, uh, the area of funerals, like that frightened me. Uh, I felt inadequate uh, for for doing funerals, and so you're probably like, well, why did you go into ministry? Then you, you're afraid of public speaking. You deal with fear of you know funerals and counseling, and, and so what this brought up in my life was this need to really trust God, to really rely on Him and not on myself. And I just never saw myself as the kind of person that would do well in those things. We're, we're a pretty young church. I don't do a lot of funerals. I've done a handful of funerals. And I've done a lot of weddings in this church. A lot of weddings. And, I, and, and the first few funerals that I had were pretty daunting experiences. And I, I tried to be a help. And I remember just going back in my mind thinking, I need to be a help in this situation. God wants to use me. Uh, but... <clears throat> And so I would pray pretty, uh, I don't know if I'd call it dangerous prayers. They were probably more desperate prayers for me at that point. It's like, help, God. I just, just, just help. The last thing I want to do in, in a funeral is to not be a help and to be a distraction to a family. And so, uh, but whatever, you know, like this idea of funerals being daunting, here's the definition of the word daunting. For you, there may be a point where, where God asks you or prompts you to do something that just seems really daunting. It just seems really difficult for you, and you start getting really anxious as you're anticipating what you, what you sense God wants you to do. That may be something at work, it may be something in your neighborhood. <clears throat> now, one of the most daunting experiences was uh, tied to a funeral. It came up unexpectedly. Uh, this was many years ago, several years ago. I had received a call from a, a family in our church whose father had passed away, and they asked me if I would come and pray uh, at a funeral that morning. And I looked at my schedule. We didn't have anything going on. It was a Saturday, and I, I thought, yeah, I can, I can do that. And so, yeah, I'll be there. It was like it was about an hour from, from when I got the call. It was a 30-minute drive. <clears throat> so I, I, I'm like, okay. Uh, change of plans, I told the family. Change of plans, I'm going to go and, and, and uh, uh, pray at this funeral. I start changing and I realize, you know what? Um, I, I better put on a suit because I'm a pastor. That would probably be appropriate if I'm going to pray. I wasn't sure what exactly that would involve. So I thought, I, I had started changing and I went and thought, I'm going to pull out my suit, put my suit on. You know, and I headed downstairs. I leave and then I come back. I thought, you know, I better grab my Bible. After all, I'm a pastor, and I should probably come a little more prepared for this experience, you know. And, and so I, I, I arrive. It's a 30-minute drive, and uh, I arrive about 10 minutes before the service begins. And upon entering, like, the, the funeral home, the funeral director, he greets me, and he says, Oh, are, are you Pastor Josh? I said, Yeah, that's, that's me. 
And I quickly realized that this might be more than just a prayer. And uh, he said, hey, I, I just need you to be done. Um, you know, you've got about 45 minutes for the service, and I need you to be done um, promptly 45 minutes in. Well, that, that's not going to be a problem. <laughs> and uh, so I, I'm like, oh, no. Like, this is really not my cup of tea, you know, and uh, I'm more of a planner. uh, And so I I realized, okay, huh. (laughs) So I walk over, I greeted the family, interacted with the family, met some folks I hadn't met before, went back to the funeral director and said, am I the only minister officiating? Is there anyone else coming? No, it's it's just you. And uh, okay. So I walk over to the caskets, an open casket, and I, I... um, you know, I'd never met this man. This was the father of someone who'd worshipped here, and I, I'm looking at this this man, his body, and, and I'm I'm just examining everything that I can. Uh, there's a lot of pictures in the casket. Um, there's a lot of pictures all around um, around his casket, and I'm just studying everything. And then I go back to my seat, and I have my Bible, thankfully, and I I highlight, I just kind of dog-eared some pages, and I asked the Lord, please help, God, please help, and uh, and the Lord did. I was able to lead through that funeral. It seemed to be a help, and uh, after the service was over, the funeral director, he, he said, okay, now we're going to be traveling uh, processional in processional to uh, the National Cemetery in Riverside, and uh, have you done a, a military funeral before, a gravesite? I thought, no, I haven't. <laughs> I thought, okay. So I, I get on the phone. I'm, 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 uh, I'm on the phone as I'm driving, and I'm like, I called two people. I'm like, well, what do I do? i got to do a gravesite service. It's in the military. They said something about a 21-gun salute. What exactly do I need to do? And so I called two people that I knew would, would know, and they, they helped me walk through it. And <clears throat> I pull up to the National Cemetery where the hearse was, and basically the minister walks in front and leads the casket in. But there's a real proper procedure to this. So the guy that I called knew the procedure, so he walked me through it. So I got there, and it was like God gave me exactly what I need. So I was able to get out of my car just like a pro. And I was just like, <laughs> everybody, good to see you, you know. And I just started leading in, and, and there were there were horns, I think, or bugles, and and. And it was a, you know, an honoring uh, service for this man and his family. And I said a few words. And the graveside service is much shorter. And so I did that. And I made it through the day. And all I could do was really depend on God. I just had to depend on God. And it seemed to be a real help to that family. And I called my wife. And I said, you won't believe what just happened. <laughs> and you know what? On days like that, the major challenge... For me, it's my focus. It's my focus. I was pretty focused on me and my stress level and not on what God wanted to do through me. Every time I started freaking out, I was focused on the wrong things. I was focused on me. And at one point, something clicked, and I realized, this is not about you. This role is really not about you. That assignment right there wasn't about you. It's about being used by God to help people. That's, that's this assignment. That's what this role involves. And honestly, I can't think of a more difficult and unstable moment that people walk through than a funeral. No one really knows how to prepare for loss and for grief. And I, I don't exactly know how 
it's going to go. And every funeral I found out is, is so, sort of similar to that uh, because there's unexpected things that come up. But I, I said yes to following Christ, and then I said yes to his call into full-time ministry, and that meant that God was going to send me into some scary situations that were unexpected and sometimes just daunting. And, and I'm going to need to keep saying yes to him and focus on allowing him to send me into those situations to do his will. Now, if you're not yet a, a Christ follower, if you're not a Christian, uh, I may be highlighting your concern about the decision to follow Christ. If you're sorting this out and you're, you're considering Jesus Christ, I might be hitting on the issue that is, is in your heart, in your mind. It's the question of, God might ask me to do some things that I never saw myself doing. Like talking to God. I never would have seen myself believing that God exists and that I would talk to him. And maybe that's your thought. Like, I never would have imagined that. So maybe that's the hang-up for you. And honestly, this might be the same concern for everyone here, for, for your life, if you are a Christian. You know, you might be thinking, I might receive some daunting assignment from God. Like that. What if God calls me to, to go into the ministry and to have to, to do funerals and weddings and preach messages? What if that's his plan? That seems daunting. And maybe you're thinking that. Or, or maybe just in the role that you are playing right now, in your career, in your vocation, God might ask you to do some things that are just far beyond your ability to handle. And that your stress level just shoots through, through the roof. And I, I'd just like to tell you that in life, this is how you come alive that that is how you truly live it's if you are willing to live on the edge right where god has placed you and to as he moves you or prompts you or directs you to take steps to take courageous steps forward in your faith that's how you really live is you say yes to him when god sends you into situations that are just more than you can do on your own it's that's where it gets real and it's those opportunities to experience God's power in a unique way that really will shape the person you're becoming. And so this is what we've been learning through this series, is that prayer ignites the power of God in my life. This is a key, is, is beginning to pray more and more dangerous prayers. And in this case, the dangerous prayer is use me. It's you begin to get up in the morning, you, you ask God, God, I know that you have some things planned out for my day that I don't see yet. You're going to invite me to join you in some things and to take some risks and to say some things or to, to be in some places or to just uh, be a help, a support, a comfort. And this is, this is you working through me. And, and so here's what God does. God leads me beyond the prayer, help me, just, which is a safe prayer, help me, God. He leads us beyond that to the prayer, use me. The agenda is God's agenda, and so it challenges us to widen out our focus, and the risk factor begins to really increase as God begins to interrupt my status quo. And so here's some ways that God may begin to use you. First, among your neighbors. God has specifically put you in a place where he wants to use you, either new neighbors or existing ones. Now, now think for a moment, do, do I know, do you know your neighbors? Do you know your neighbors on, on, on the sides of you? Do you know their names? Do you know who lives around you? If you do, you are not the norm. If you know your neighbors, you're not the norm. Because gone are the days of, of, of this. <laughs> you know. Uh, well, hello there, neighbor. 
gone are the days of Mr. Rogers. According to this article, few Americans today say they know their neighbors' names, and far fewer report interacting with them on a daily basis. If you go to the next slide, you can see some of the stats. Only about 20% of Americans spend time regularly with the people living next to them. A third said they've never even interacted with their neighbors. And there's just very little interaction. I think we have another slide here. There we go. And a separate study <clears throat> says 43% of Americans know most or all of their neighbors, but nearly a third said they know none by name. There's just less and less interaction in neighborhoods. So what if you and I began to really interact with our neighbors and really began to pray for our neighbors, praying that we could have a sense of community on our streets? Think about what God could do if, if, if you were available and said, God, use me. Not just, God, help me, but God, use me on my block. Think about all the ups and the downs that come up in your life. Now, that, that's happening in your neighbor's lives as well. All the ups, all the downs. And technology has advanced so far and so fast, it's, it's allowed us to connect with the groups of people we want to be connected with, but God has actually placed us around some people intentionally. And so who, who has he placed you near? Another area, what about work, you know, coworkers, the relationships People beside you, you spend you know, Monday through Friday with all of these people. What if we began praying and looking for ways to help the team? Work for many is, is a grind, and it, it's a gift for you if you can actually enjoy your work. But for most, most people, work is just work. It's, it's a grind. And many weeks we, we head into it. Just trying to get the motivation up, just to stay focused on what we need to do, just to keep motivated. But what if our prayers were directed at really bringing some help to the team, to the people at God's place there? Instead of praying, God, help me this week just to survive another week, what if we shifted and prayed a more dangerous prayer? God, use me to be a help this week. Use me. I want to be available, God. This is going to be a stretching prayer, but this could have a, a huge ripple effect on our culture. Think about the culture of your work for a moment. What's it like? I mean, put yourself there. I know it's Sunday, and you're like, it's not there yet. I don't like to think about it until tomorrow. But think about what if that culture could improve just slightly, and you were the person that God used to change that place. Just think about the, the environment and the culture. Also, praying this could really impact people far from God. This could be at work. This could be in your neighborhood or other areas where you do your life. All around us are people that God is working in their lives, and he's drawing people to himself. And just, just as you look at a, a fruit tree that is ripening, and you're seeing fruit, and you're like, ooh, that, that's getting ready, it's ripe. People, through circumstances of life, begin to open up and explore Christianity. And God wants to use you in this process to draw. As he's drawing people, he wants to use you to share your life with them. As they're exploring. Sometimes you, you are playing a part in planting the seeds of the gospel. Sometimes you come along and you begin to water the seeds that other people have planted. But don't be surprised if you start praying, God, use me. And you see God bringing people across your path that he's calling to himself. And he's, he's chosen to use you to help them cross the line of faith. And for me, this has been one of the most exciting aspects of life. So why not, why not pray in this way? 
Rather than thinking, I'm just going to leave this to the professionals, the pastors, uh, or, the, or the spiritual people. But again, God wants to use us. Another way you might see this dangerous prayer working is, is through opportunities for good. Serving, giving, taking next steps. You know, you, you sense God speaking to you in a small group or through a sermon. And just choosing to move forward those things. You can't possibly do everything God puts on your mind or everything that's placed before you. But what if, as God prompts you and keeps prompting you to take a step of growth, what if you did and your life begins to change? I'm going to show you three from the scripture. I want to show you three responses to God's call in the lives of some familiar characters in the Bible. Okay, And these may be responses that if you begin praying this dangerous prayer, God may prompt you to direct you to respond in some way and give you some specific nudge towards an assignment. Like, I want you to reach out to this person. Or I want you to do this thing. I want you to get involved in that thing. Now, here's three responses, possible responses to God's call. The first is, I'm not going. I'm not going. You may know the story. This is, real quick, just tell you about a man named Jonah who tried to run from God's assignment. He was a prophet on the run. Okay, take a look. It says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it. This is his assignment. Go preach to a wicked city. Preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me, God said. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. And after paying the fare, he went aboard and he sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. And so here's the map. You can see what Jonah did, okay? God gives him the assignment. He's over there, kind of by Joppa, by that port. He, he's, God says, I want you to go north. Head to Nineveh. Preach against this city. Their wickedness is really bad. Preach against it. There's God, God's wanting to do something there that people would turn to him. Jonah goes down to the nearest port. He pays for the ticket, and he sails as far, it's like, take me as far away as I can go. <laughs> I'm not going. He goes over 3,000 miles, okay, 2,500 miles t- towards Tarshish. The assignment came, and Jonah had a pretty, what this reveals is he, he doesn't just not want it, he has a pretty bitter hatred towards this group of people. He, he's dealing with some, some racism. There's some stuff in his heart that is just off. He's pretty bitter. And so his reply is, I'm not, I'm not going. He runs from God's assignment. And we can do this as well. Just think about this. How many times do you sense God's nudging you towards someone or something? And you're like, not doing it. <laughs> not, I'm not doing it. You might start praying, God, use me. I want to be used by you. And you sense this prompting and then, no, nope. <laughs> I'll do anything but that. I'm not doing that. I've got too much going on. Or there's, I, I'm not giving to them. You see a need. I'm not giving to them. I've had other plans for that money. Or I'm not helping them, anyone but them. I, I'm just not going to go. And you can read the rest of Jonah's story. It's, it's an inter- entertaining story. I just wanted you to see the response. Here's another response. This is from uh, another famous guy. His name is Moses. Basically, God says, here's your assignment. And this is his response. Use someone else. 
God speaking to Moses gives him a clear assignment. Exodus 3, verses 10 and 11. This is God speaking to Moses. God says, so now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. God assigns Moses to lead in the Exodus, okay, the release of millions who were enslaved in Egypt. This would free the Israelites from, from bondage and from slavery. This is a huge assignment, but for Moses, it's a pretty daunting assignment. Moses said to God, who am I? Can you relate on a certain level? Who am I? I mean, there's a better person for the job. Who am I? That I should go to Pharaoh, the most powerful man, and, and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He's just going to give them to me? He's just going to let them go? God, say, God says, yeah, he's, he's, he's going to release them. I'm sending you. Joe and the other guy said, I'm not going. Moses is saying, look, here I am, but you, you can use someone else. You've got the wrong person. In fact, there's this back and forth dialogue you can read about in Exodus chapter 3 where God proves his power, his great power to Moses. And he just performs some miracles just so that Moses knows, it's God. I'm God. I can do anything I want. Pharaoh will release them. Let me prove it to you. He starts doing these miraculous signs in front of Moses. And Moses is like, oh, wow. And then... No, I couldn't. Use somebody else. And he does another sign. And Moses has this back and forth. And still at the very end, Moses says this, Oh Lord, please, just send someone else to do it. I think this really does capture another response that comes up. What we do is we tend to, to put what we're willing to do for God in a box. Here's my box. This is my comfort box. It's my safe life. And we try to compartmentalize God and, and we want to see the boundaries on our usefulness based on what we think of ourselves or based on our past experiences or, or even our skills or our personalities like what I was sharing. But God is just, he's bigger than that box that we want to put him in and he keeps leading us to think and live outside of that box. And it's like he would say, hey, let me have that box. No, 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 no. No, let me have that box. And, you know, I, I, it's kind of like he wants to take the box and just, let me break that box. <laughs> and again, check out the rest of the story here in Exodus to see what happens. Now, here's the, here's the response that God's looking for. When God prompts us and when God gives us an assignment, here's the right response. I'm available to help. God, use me. And this comes from a man named Isaiah, he's a prophet uh, to the northern kingdom of Israel. And he gets this assignment. And then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah said, Here I am. Send me. In Isaiah's case, this was a man who had a genuine experience with God. This Prior to verse 8 here, in the beginning of chapter 6, Isaiah sees God. He's, he's able to see God. And he sees angels near the throne of God. And Isaiah is like a... He's a pretty broken man. He comes into God's presence, basically. And because he's in God's presence, he's a, very aware of his sin and his limitations. But he didn't let this whole experience hold him back. And sometimes people swing to the extreme of thinking, God couldn't use me. I'm not good enough. And that's kind of Isaiah. He, he sees his sinfulness. He's, he calls himself a man of unclean, 
unclean lips who lives among a people of unclean lips. He's like, I've seen the Lord. I'm toast. I'm ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips and I've just seen the Lord. And he's like, ah, he's probably waiting to get fried in that moment. Like, I'm a sinful man. God couldn't use me. I'm not good enough. We, we can swing to that place. This is a possibility for all of us. I'm not good enough. Why would God use me? Does he know who I am? Does he know what I've done? Does he know my past? Or the flip side of this is a huge cultural lie that people embrace, which is, I'm a pretty good person. Sure, God would want to use me. It's like an overconfidence, an overestimation. But Isaiah, he had this real encounter with God. And even though he saw his own sinful condition, he experienced God's grace personally. There's a scene in Isaiah 6 where an angel like cleanses him. And even though he is a sinful man, he, he experiences God's grace, God's forgiveness. And then he just, he, he says, when God says, here's the mission, who's going to go and accomplish this mission? Who's going to go for us? Isaiah steps forward, here I am, send me. And God may never ask you to speak in public, or He may never ask you to lead in a funeral service where you're depending on God for what to say. And that, that might not sound that scary to you. Some of you think, oh, I'd love to speak. I'm really comfortable in speaking, but I, I will never do this or that. And you might have those things already in your mind. But if you're a Christ follower, there will be some things that God's going to ask you to do that is beyond your ability. And they're outside of the box that you might be holding. And what has helped me to get past my own fears is realizing I could be a help to meet a need if I really rely on God. And that is the truth for everyone in this room. If you will make yourself available, you can, you can be a help. You can meet real needs. If you surrender to Him in prayer, you'll, you'll experience God's power in a way that you never would. If you just tell God, no, uh, not now, not today, not me, uh, you won't experience those things. And so as, as our worship team joins me up on the stage, I want you to consider turning this into a next step this week. God, use me. Jot down something specific. Maybe as, as I don't know if the God has put some people in your mind or a situation or a circumstance uh, in your life. But what do you sense God is asking you to, to do in response to this message this morning? What is that assignment that God seems to be giving to you? Or maybe he's placed uh, on your mind recently where you sense, okay, I think God is, he is nudging me towards something specific. If you've got something, jot that down and then begin to pray and ask God to use you this week towards that. And when you wake up each morning, just keep praying. God, use me towards this. I'm frightened. This is daunting. I don't know if I can do this. But let God send you each day this week and watch and see what, what He does. Let, let's, let's pray together. Father, as a group, we don't want to just live our lives playing it safe and, and go week after week and year after year experiencing some of the same things. But Lord, we would love to be used by You. We are making ourselves available to You. For those here that would say, uh, I don't want to play it safe. Then, Father, would you provide opportunities and nudge and prompt us uh, to be useful in your hands this week. Lord, thank you for the many things you've done in our lives and our pasts that, that you want to draw out at just the right time to be a help. Whether it's to sit with people, to share with people, to comfort people. 
give to people, whether it's to respond to uh, a ministry calling, whether it's to to respond to you at work and just to to be available in a different way, to, to be intentional, God. I pray, God, you would help us this week to identify the areas where you're leading us and then help us to respond with this prayer of usefulness, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Josh. Would you pull out this card and finish filling out anything on this that you intended to leave with us today? In just a moment, you can drop that in the offering basket when it comes around. And if you came prepared to give, you can use the giving envelope that's in the program. There's also other ways to give as well. And as a church, we're fully funded and and we stay on mission by the faithfulness of those that give here. And so thank you so much for your faithfulness and giving. Ushers, you can receive the offering this morning. Um, And just one quick note. and it actually ties into this message. That search and rescue training that, that we highlighted earlier, it's in your program. Uh, that may be uh, another next step you consider taking is sign up for that. And that's, that's God may be able to give you some new ideas and strategies for him to use you in those places Josh mentioned at, at work or all those different places. So, And then a quick logistic note. In the program, it says Friday, June 24th. It's Sunday. Okay, so June 24th is correct. Uh, Uh, But that's Sunday right after church on that day. Uh, So make that note or calendar change if you already wrote it down. And lastly, I mentioned this. If you're our guest, we'd love to meet you. So as soon as the the song ends and we're dismissed, please come to the info table out in the lobby. And and we'll say hi to you there, give you that coffee mug. Would you please stand? We'll close with our final song.
opportunity to, to sing this morning, to gather and to hear from you, God, to be challenged, to pray bold prayers. And this week, God, we do ask that you'd use us as we consider our neighborhood, as we consider our, our workplace, God, our families. Uh, Lord, would you help us to get past ourselves, to understand that, God, you've called us children. And you've given us power, Lord, that is beyond anything imaginable. And as we tap into those that power, God, we can really experience your help. So we ask for your help this week, God. Use us. So we want to see uh, just your outpouring, Lord, in those areas that we looked at. And so we ask for uh, your help, God. Use us this week in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week to respond to you this morning in light of those truths, Lord. And uh, we need a perspective shift at points, God. We can forget just the, the simplicity uh, and... Um, just the beauty of the gospel, God. And so I pray that this morning our hearts would be uh, reconnected with those truths. And, Lord, that you would work in us. You would also just speak your truth to us, Lord. We, we desperately need your perspective and angle on life. We need, our, we need your perspective and angle on who we are and how we approach life and how we do relationships, God, how we do church, how we do work and, and marriage and family, God. We, we need your help. And we thank you that you give it, God. You've given us your word. Uh, you have shown us yourself. 
And we ask that you just communicate to us this morning, Lord. Would you challenge us? Would you help us to um, move from the place that we are, God, towards you in faith? We ask for your help to do these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.
Good morning again. Welcome to Orange Crest Community Church. We're really glad that you're all here this morning. My name is John. I'm one of the pastors here at OCC. If this is your first time with us, we'd especially like to say welcome to you. We're really glad that you've come this morning to worship with us. And and so we'd like to meet you, and we do that after the service ends. So we won't make you stand up or, you know, anything embarrassing. But on your way out, there's an info table. Um, I'll be there, some others from the church staff, to just shake your hand and say hi. We would really love to meet you. And we have a gift for you. It's a coffee mug with our logo on it. Just our way of saying thanks for being with us this morning. So I'll remind you of that at the end of the service. Um, But everyone should have received this program when you came in. Would you open this up? And inside there's the connection card, the blue and orange card. And we ask that everybody just write your name and email on the front of that. At the end of the service, you can drop it in the offering basket when it comes around. Um, But there's also a backside to that card where you can leave us more info. You can sign up for an event or leave a prayer request. Um, This is our way to know what's going on in your life, how to pray for you, or to help you get involved and plugged in here uh, at, at OCC. There's a a few announcements that I'll make, but all of the details are in the program uh, printed in there. So make sure to reference that to make sure I said the right thing. Um, But let me highlight a few events uh, coming up this month. There's a mom-to-mom breakfast, June 9th, which I realized just a few minutes ago is this Saturday. I was still in May, but June 9th is on Saturday. So uh, there's still room at that event for you if you're a mom. Uh, so use the connection card to sign up for that event where you can um, connect with other moms and enjoy breakfast together. Um, that's this Saturday. Also, next week, there's an OCC preview on June 10th, which is a class that answers some uh, important questions, but, but simple questions like, who are we as a church? What, what are we all about? What is our mission here? And so if you've thought those things or you'd love to learn more about OCC, then sign up for the OCC preview. That's next Sunday at at 9 a.m. here uh, during the worship service. It's in the room next door, but it's during the worship service. There's also um, another event, June 15th. We're calling it Building and Expansion Preparation. So you may be aware uh, that we're looking for permanent facilities. We don't own this building. This is a city building. And so we're entering into a phase of preparing for what expansion looks like. And so we invite you to this event to hear more about what God has put on Josh's heart and and other leaders at at OCC um, regarding what that means for us now. And so that's a Friday night, 7 p.m. here at the community center. Child care is provided, but uh, do us a favor and and mark on your connection card if you plan to come so we can be prepared with enough dessert and child care uh, for that. But we'd love for you all to be there for that. There's also an evangelism training event called Search and Rescue. Um, so we invite you to that June 24th. Actually, your program says, if you look, it says Friday, but that's not correct. It's Sunday. June 24th is correct in the program. So it's after church on June 24th. Um, what this is, uh, it's evangelism training. God has rescued us, those of us that, that follow Jesus Christ, from darkness. And we want to participate with him in rescuing others with the power of the gospel of Jesus. And so there's more details in your program. Check that. Um, but that. But this is unique. We haven't done this in a while in this format where everyone comes together and we, we get fired up together about uh, rescuing people from darkness. And so use your connection card to sign up for that. Lastly, there's a 50s plus dinner event on June 30th, the end of the month. So come and enjoy. Here, here's the, the detail. Delicious, patriotic themed American meal. All right. 
So if that doesn't pique your interest, I don't know what will. Um, I wish I could attend, but it's for 50s plus, and it's a time to meet people, build friendships, be encouraged by one another at that event. So use your connection card to sign up for that as well. I believe that's it for the announcements. Let's continue with our service. Would you stand? Um, I'll pray and we'll continue. Dear God, we thank you so much that you brought us here this morning. Uh, God, we recognize that you are in control of all things, uh, like the the Bible says, but we experience that. We know that, um, that that you are real and you are in charge. Um, God, and, and another reality is that we're just saying you call us deeper and higher than our own minds want us to drive us. We want to stay safe and comfortable, but you have uh, far greater plans um, to use us. So we recognize that this morning. And I ask that as Pastor Josh comes, that you would speak through him. You would speak to us individually. Help us to understand your word and and to know what that means for our lives today. Uh, God, you, you really are so loving and gracious to us that you've called us out of darkness and give us this chance at a more meaningful and significant life so we praise you for that right now and we sing to you and praise you for who you are in Jesus name, Amen
give him our gratitude for grace and love. And yes, Lord, we are grateful for your grace and for your love. Let's pour out our gratitude to him. And yes, Lord, we can be seated. Good morning. It's good to see everyone here. We're a couple weeks into a series of messages on prayer. It's called Dangerous Prayers, and we've been talking about how to pray uh, to, to get away from... Thanks, Cody. To, to move away from the comfortable prayers that we might pray and to step towards the edge and begin to pray more dangerously in our lives. And so we've looked at prayers like, search me. And that's, that's a dangerous prayer, to ask God to show us what He sees. You know, he, he sees who we are. He sees everything about us, our thoughts, everything we've done. And the prayer, search me, is really to ask God to help us to see what He sees. We also looked at the prayer, break me. And then last week we looked at the prayer, strengthen me. And talked about, Scott talked about how to pray boldly and very specifically, and, and he gave some examples of, of ways that he's seen God come through and answer that prayer and, and challenge us in that. And so we're looking at this, this area further, and uh, I, I was paintballing uh, yesterday. Forty-year-olds probably shouldn't paintball, okay? There probably should be like a 30 and under law for that. So when I got the call that it was me paintballing with some friends, I was like, really? Come on, guys. But I went paintballing, and I prayed some prayers. <laughs> Cover me. <laughs> yeah, anyway, it, it went okay. I'm, I'm here standing, and I'm, I'm okay. I did get shot a few times, you know. I'm not going to mention any names, though. You know, you know who you are if you're here. So, no, it was a lot of fun. We, we had a good time together. And um, when you're in situations like that, you, you're kind of, you're amped up. <laughs> And, uh, okay, I'm going to turn a corner to the message here because I could get real sidetracked about this point. But, but this, this 
this subject of prayer, we typically, what is safe for us in prayer is to pray the prayer, help me. Help me. Uh, and so I want to talk about how do we go up a notch in, in, and not just pray the prayer, help me. We often pray, God, help me. I need your help. Uh, and so the, the prayer, help me, it's a good prayer. It's certainly a good prayer. We find this prayer in the Bible. We find people praying this prayer. The Lord's Prayer, very familiar prayer out of, uh, out of Matthew. Our Father in heaven, this is the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, here's the dangerous part of that prayer. The dangerous part of the prayer is, is that statement, your kingdom come, your will be done. That, that's the most dangerous part of that, of the Lord's Prayer. And the prayers we're looking at in this series, they're, they're dangerous to, the, to our status quo. If you begin to pray them consistently, your life is going to start changing. It's not going to be the same. Now, when I was 18 years old, that's around the time when I started getting serious and, uh, with my relationship with Christ and began to move forward in that. And it was around that same time that I started sensing a call towards vocational ministry. And so it brought about a major shift in, in my career focus and my studies. And I initially really wrestled with that decision because, honestly, I was afraid of what would come into my life or what my life would look like if I set out on the path towards ministry. And eventually, through some wrestling, I surrendered to, to, to that. And I'm, I'm a pastor. I've been in ministry for many years now. And, and th- this is a lot like what most of us do when God begins to give us some clarity on an assignment or God asks us to do something that scares us. We, we fight it. We wrestle. And then you either say no or you surrender to it and you move in that direction. And you, you say yes. Now, there's a few aspects of this role as a pastor that I was... I just really didn't want to do. Uh, one was the public speaking aspect, and that's a big part of my job. Um, uh, in school, I can still remember, since I'm short, like I could, I almost always have positioned myself near the back of the room in most classrooms, because since I was short, I could like just, I didn't even really have to duck in my seat or anything. I was just short enough to where I could be shielded by the taller people, and then the teacher wouldn't ever call on me. I just didn't like talking in front of the class. I didn't like I didn't like the public speaking. I, I didn't do the, for the most part, uh, you know, I didn't do speech and debate and those things on stage. And so this idea of getting up and speaking weekly to a group of people, that's, that's kind of a frightening experience. The counseling that comes up in, in the, the role of a pastor, again, not something that I'm like, feel like I'm super wired and gifted in. Another area that really was frightening for me was funerals. Conducting funerals and leading through funerals. Uh, I felt inadequate in many ways for this role. And so when the assignment towards ministry came, it wasn't this, oh, this is the perfect fit. It all just makes sense. Really, for me, it felt like, really? And, and you know, as a church, now we're, we're about 11 years in, 10, 10 to 11 years in now, and, and we're a pretty young church, and so we, I haven't done a whole lot of funerals. I've done some funerals. I've done a lot of weddings. Um, we've had a lot of weddings here at this church. And, uh, but when it came to funerals, the first few funerals that I did, those were uh, pretty daunting experiences. And you, you may have had, here's a definition of daunting. Something when just you're, you're dealing with this anticipation towards doing this because you're just uncomfortable or unfamiliar or the experience is really intimidating. 
And so when it comes to our assignments in life, we can get this, uh, this is a daunting task that I've been asked to do. And one of the most daunting came unexpectedly. It was, it was several years ago. I received a call from a family who, uh, whose father had passed away. And they asked if I'd be willing to, to pray at the funeral that day. And I, and I checked my schedule and I could. And so I, I told my family, yeah, I'm going to go. And um, it's about a 30-minute drive. And it was about an hour until the funeral started. And so I, I thought to myself, okay, I'm going to get the family ready. I'll meet up with them later in the day. I'll go and, and pray at this funeral. And so I'm changing, and I realize, you know, maybe I should dress nicer if I'm going to pray. I'm not sure what that will involve. So I threw my suit on which I typically don't wear suits other than funerals and weddings. And so I threw my suit on, and I, I got, got ready, and then I'm heading out the door, and I turned around, and I ran back in the house, and I thought, I better grab my Bible, because I'm a pastor, and I probably should have my Bible, and, and who knows, you know. And so I grab my Bible, and I head, I head down the road. You know, it's a little bit of a drive. I get there about ten minutes before uh, the funeral starts, and upon entering, the funeral director meets me at the door, and he said, Oh, you must be Pastor Josh. I said, yeah, that's, that's me. And he just said, hey, I just need you to make sure that you're done and you keep this under 45 minutes. And I'm, I'm like, the, you know, the prayer? Or what? You know, I'm thinking, I can definitely do that. That'll be no problem, you know. And then I realized what's happening. And I'm like, you know, and so I walk over, I greet the family. And then I went back to the funeral director, and I found him, and he just said, am I the only minister officiating today? And he said, yeah. Okay. So I'm like, oh, this is like, for me, this is probably the most uncomfortable experience you could put me in. (laughs) I'm a planner. I like to know what's going to happen. I like to have my plan in place. And so I'm, I'm like in pretty deep at this point over my head. It was an open casket service, and so I walk over to this casket, and and I, I'm just looking at this man in this casket, and um, he's the father of, of a family in our church, and previously in our church, and I'm 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 just studying everything I can. I, there's pictures throughout the casket of his life, and there's pictures on some boards behind the casket, and so I'm just just observing everything I could from what I could gather. And, uh, and then I walked back to my seat and I, and I just was like, oh God, what do I do? You know, and I'm just scouring my mind for verses or, or anything that would, would help. And so I'm, I'm dog-earing my Bible and I'm just kind of in my mind putting together some direction. I, I lead through the service that seemed to be a real help to people and I was like, whew, you know, and, uh, then, the funeral director, he approaches me again and he informed me, we're going to be traveling now um, in processional to the National Cemetery, Riverside National Cemetery, and we have, you know, another 20 minutes. We have to be done in about 20 minutes. You do the gravesite uh, service there. Um, I've never done a gravesite service at this point. And, uh, and he said, have you conducted a gravesite? At, at, they're pretty particular in how this goes, and I think, So I leave and I get on the phone. I call two different people and I said, I, I just did a funeral I wasn't expecting to do. Now I got to do a gravesite. How do you do that? What do I do? What's different? I think I've used all my ammunition as far as scripturally. What do I do at this point? And he, he says, well, 
And he gave me some pointers. This guy had been in ministry a long time. He gave me some pointers. And he just said, you know, this can be simple. I'm like, got it. I could do that. And I said, he said something about a 21-gun salute, and there's some procedure. He said, oh, yeah, you need to know about this. And apparently, uh, the minister leads the whole processional. So I get there, and you're supposed to lead, lead the processional in. And so I pulled up in my, in my vehicle. I got out. Everyone was waiting for me. I kind of gave the nod to everybody, to the military and, and everyone, as if I knew what I was doing. And, and, <laughs> and uh, anyway, I was told... I. My friend told me to get in front of the casket and just walk in, and so I did that, and everybody knew what to do, and I just just <laughs> walked across, led them in, stood this way until the guy gave me another nod, and I knew it was my time, and there was, uh, you know, bugles and guns and shots fired and all that, and I knew, I knew about all this, thankfully, what was going to happen, and it was very honoring to, the, to, uh, to this man and life he'd lived. And I was very grateful for the help that God provided in the moment, strength in the moment, clarity in the moment, and advice. And I made it through the day. And all I could really do was depend on God for help. And it, and it seemed to really be a help to that family and to minister to that family. And I called my wife and I said, you won't believe what just happened. And uh, you know what? On days like that, the major challenge for me is my focus. It's my focus. I was pretty focused on me and my stress level at that in that time, and not on what God wanted to do, to do through me. And so, at one point, though, as I was leading through that experience, something really clicked, and I realized, this is not about me. And this whole assignment, this role that I play, this is, this is not about me. It's about being used by God to help people. And honestly, I can't think of a more difficult and unstable moment that people walk through in life than, than a funeral. No one really knows how to prepare for loss and for grief. And so even as a pastor now, even though I can plan my plan, I step into funerals or situations and I just don't know how it's all going to play out because it really does change from situation to situation. And I said yes to following Christ. I said yes to this role. And what it's brought is God has put me in some situations that were unexpected and sometimes pretty scary. Um, If you're not yet a follower of Christ... I may be highlighting some of your concerns about uh, responding to Christ. One of your concerns might be that God might ask you to do some things that you never saw yourself doing. If you, if you formerly would say, I didn't even believe in God, and now I'm here and I'm processing this, that maybe there is a God. Maybe you're thinking, God might ask me to do some things that I'm not comfortable with, or I never would have imagined myself doing, like talking to God might be that thing that you're like, I, I wouldn't even have had a category for that. But honestly, this might be the concern for everyone here on some level, whether you're Christ follower or you're not, and you're processing that. The, the concern that you might have in life is I might have, I might receive some daunting assignment from God that I'm not prepared to pull off. Or, or he might ask me to do something I just can't handle. And I, I just like to tell everyone here, th- this is how you come alive, is, is you make yourself available to God. That is where real life is found is you, you trust God. You, you get on the edge in life, and you, you allow God to use you. And when God sends you into some situations that for you, you're thinking, this is, I'm in deep, I'm scared. You might be the kind of person that likes to be on stage, and you, like, you would like that, that role, or, or maybe not, but God is more than likely going to give you, He's going to nudge you towards some things, He's going to prompt you towards some things, His Word is going to direct you towards some things, and 
you'll you'll have a real clear sense. This is God's assignment, but and, and you're going to find yourself in this wrestling match of what to do. And here's what we've been learning: is that prayer ignites the power of God in my life. And so in this case, with a dangerous prayer, use me. You start getting up in the morning, asking God to send you into some situations where He actually will do that. God, use me, use my life. This is this is you working through me. And so at this point. Here's the shift in prayer. It's, it's God leads me beyond the prayer, help me, which is a, is a safer prayer. God, help me, which one we often pray, to the prayer, use me. This is focused on God's agenda. So it challenges us to really widen out the focus of our lives. And the risk factor goes up. This may interrupt your status quo to pray in this way. And here's some areas where God may begin to use you. First, Don't look too far. Start with your neighbors. Where has God placed you? More than likely, he's put you uh, in a place where he wants to use you among your neighbors, the people that live around you. Uh, Either the the new neighbors moving in or the existing ones that are there. Do Do you know your neighbors? Do you know your neighbors by name? Um, Those around you. If, If you do know your neighbors by name, you are not the norm today. You're not the norm. It used to be that, that people knew their neighbors. Like, this is old school stuff right here. You know, that everybody knows the neighbors. And Mr. Roger, you know, we just kind of, hey, Mr., you know, that friendly guy next door. And, and But gone are the days of where we know our neighbors, right, as a society. We're, we're becoming more and more disconnected from one another. And it's that whole, like, you drive up. You open the garage door, you get in, and you don't have to interact with anybody. You see them, you see something happening, oh, we'll go out after they're out, after they're out of the way. It seems like there's more of an avoidance culture. Uh, here's an article that, that talks about some of these stats. Few Americans today say that they know their neighbors' names. Far fewer report interacting with them on a daily basis. Look at the next. Only about 20% of Americans spent time regularly with the people living next door to them. A third said they've never really interacted. That's a significant decline from four decades ago when a third of Americans hung out with their neighbors at least twice a week. This used to be the trend. You'd interact with your neighbors. This separate study shows that 43% of Americans know most or all of their neighbors, but nearly a third said they know none by name. I mean, this is just, we're very connected as a society with those we want to be connected to, right? You pick and choose who are your friends and who who, who you want to learn about and know and interact with and communicate with. Um, but technology has advanced, but uh, God has actually placed us near some people for a reason. And so praying use me might be God actually saying, I want to use you right where I have you living. I want to use you to impact your neighbors. To, so would you begin praying for them? Pray that God would use you for these specific neighbors. Learn their names. Pray for them. Because the ups and downs in your life and in my life are the same that they're dealing with. They have ups. They have downs. They have difficulty. They have loss. They have celebrations. And God wants to use you. What about people at work? Coworkers. Another area where God is sending us every day is amongst coworkers. There's opportunities that spring up anytime a new person joins the workforce. What if we began praying and looking for ways to help the team? The reason this is important is because work is, for many of us, it it can be a grind. And it can be just a real struggle to stay motivated from day in to, you know, just every day working up the motivation. Or Sunday, maybe today, is your, I'm working up the motivation to go into work tomorrow. 
And what if, what if our prayers really directed at bringing some help to the team, bringing a boost to the culture, bringing a, a lift to the to the environment of your workplace? Instead of praying, God, help me this week to survive. What if we shifted and God used me to be a help this week? Another one is people far from God. Again, God has placed us near some people. And this could be at work. It could be in your neighborhood. But all around us are people that God is working in their lives and drawing them to himself. And just as you see you know, fruit ripening on a tree, God is doing that in the lives of people all around us. He's, he's drawing people to know him. He's ripening people who used to be turned off to, to God. Now they're exploring and God is, he wants to use you in that process. And sometimes you play the, the, the part of planting seeds and sharing your faith. And you're the first person to share your faith with a person. Other times you come alongside a person and you're watering the seeds that have been planted by others. But God is he's working. He's calling people to himself and he wants to use, he wants to use us. Another way you might see this is just opportunities for good. You know, you, you take away... So we, we take away so much content these days from whether it be messages or small group studies or uh, radio, you know, the radio and music or time, our, our, time, our own personal time with God where you sense God is nudging you towards serving some, someone or giving to someone or taking a next step of faith. You can't possibly do everything, but what if you decide to just respond more regularly, take steps of growth and say, God, use me. Use me this week. I want to take a step this week of obedience. I don't want to just live another week of, of spectating and watching you work in the world. I want to be a part of what you're doing here in the world. So I want to, I want to show you three from the scripture, three responses to God's call from pretty familiar Bible stories. And so uh, these stories are, uh, we, we probably will identify with one of these three responses. So if you begin to pray danger, the dangerous prayer of use me and God he gives you some clarity and starts nudging you or prompting you towards some action or some assignment, this might be one of your responses. The first one is, I'm not going. I'm not going. This is from Jonah. You may know the story. It was about uh, a prophet who God wanted to use. And God's assignment for Jonah was to take a message of repentance to a pretty wicked group of people. From a, from a place called Nineveh. And Jonah was like a prophet on the run. Take a look at the, the first three verses of the book of Jonah. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it. That's his assignment. Preach against this city because its wickedness has come up before me. Now, most of us wouldn't want this assignment. You're the guy to go tell, you know, some, some bad news. Basically, God, your wickedness has... Uh, it's so bad that God has, has sent me to preach against you to say, stop being so wicked and turn to God. I mean, most of us wouldn't want that assignment. But Jonah does this. Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. Okay? He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. And after paying the fare, he went aboard and he sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. So he's given his clear assignment. This is what I want you to do, Jonah. And this is what he does. Here's a picture. <laughs> so you see, he, he boards in Joppa, 
He's supposed to go 550 miles north to Nineveh and preach against them and tell them, turn around, stop going your own way, turn to the Lord. And instead he boards a ship and he's like, how much does it cost to get as far away from here as possible? And so he, he sails to Tarshish to run. And he's on the run. And the assignment came, it was very clear. Go to Nineveh. It's not like he got things wrong. What's that? Tarshish? Nineveh? Tarshish? No, I mean, it's clearly Nineveh. But this reveals his bitter hatred towards this group of people. He doesn't want anything to do with them. And you see that. And I want to encourage you to read Jonah or refresh yourself or read it for the first time. But you'll see his hatred showing up when uh, he continues to wrestle with this assignment because God intervenes in a pretty miraculous way. But I want, what I want you to focus in on is the response. His response, I'm not going. We can do this, can't we? I'm not going to do that. Sorry, no. No, God. Mm-mm. I'm not going. I've got too much going on. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not going. Or I'm not giving to them. Maybe God prompts, you, you recognize there's a need. Something is needed in the body or in someone, in your, in your circle of, of relationships, there's a need that shows up, a financial need. Maybe there's something to give towards or people to give towards or a trip to give towards. And you're just like, you know, I'm not, I'm not giving to them. I have other plans for that money. We've, we've planned something totally different. And, but you sense, oh man, you're, you feel this tug and you're just feeling, but the whole I'm not going to do that shows up. Not helping them. Maybe you see someone in need, but you think, mm, not them. Anyone but them. That's kind of what Jonah was, was wrestling with. And you can read the rest of that. I just want to see, see the response here. Here's another response that shows up. God's call and direction assignment comes to a man named Moses. He basically told God this. Use someone else. God is speaking to Moses and, and he gives him this assignment. This is God speaking. So now go, Moses. I, God says, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. God gives Moses the role of deliverer to lead millions of people who are captive, held captive in Egypt He's supposed to go and, and approach Pharaoh, the most powerful man, and say, God says, let my people go. Moses is like, send someone else, God. Who am I? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and, and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Jonah, the other guy, he said, I'm not going. Moses, basically, here I am, God. Send someone else. Basically, you've got the wrong guy. I'm not wired for this. I'm not capable of this. I'm not gifted enough for this. And there, there begins, and you could read about it in Exodus chapter 3, a back and forth dialogue where God says, look, God, Pharaoh is going to release my people. You go and you do this. And Moses is like, uh-uh. So God proves to him that he has the power to do it. He leads him through a series of signs. And he does some miraculous, God does some miraculous things so that Moses would believe him and say, look, I'm God, I can do anything I want. And even though there are these miraculous signs that God is using to prove his power to, to Moses, uh, still Moses eventually lands, you know, at this, chapter 4, verse 13, oh Lord, please send someone else to do it. 
And if you know the story, he, he has to basically create a team to support Moses to do this assignment. And so he builds a team around Moses um, where he to fill in some of the gaps. God still works through Moses, but you certainly see this response. And I think many of us can identify with this response. I certainly can. We basically tend to tell God, here's what I'm willing to do for you. We build a box. Here's my box, God. And we try to compartmentalize God. And, and we want to set the boundaries on our usefulness based on what we think of ourselves based on our past experiences, based on our skills and, and our personalities, and it's all in this tidy box. But God, he's much bigger than that. And he's leading us to think and live outside the box. It's like you would want us to say, here, Josh, let me hold that box for a second. Let me shatter that box. This is not, this is, this is your idea here. Because on my own and on our own, we, we limit what God would want to do. And check out the rest of Moses' story to see how it plays out. Now, here's a third response. And this is the response that God is looking for. It's, I'm available. I'm available to help. This comes from Isaiah chapter 6. And Isaiah is a prophet to the northern kingdom of Israel. And basically, the verse here... We'll read the verse and then we'll back up. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? God is speaking. Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And I said, Isaiah says, Here I am. Send me. In other words, I'm available. Use me. Now, this guy, Isaiah, he's, he's a man who had a genuine experience with God. If you back up in the chapter, Isaiah 6, verse 1, uh, he, he, he sees the Lord. He's able to see like the throne room of God and he sees angels and he's in the presence of the Lord. He's being given this assignment. And when he when he's in God's presence, he realizes here's holy God with these angels around him. And he he realizes, "Uh oh, I'm in trouble. Isaiah describes himself and he said, I, I'm an unclean, I have, I'm a person of unclean lips. I, I live among a people who have unclean lips. And he starts getting concerned for his safety at this point because he's in the presence of Almighty God. And so he cries out, Whoa, woe to me. He's probably expecting that because of his sin and his own life and his own limitations, he's, he's assuming he's about to get fried. Because he's in the presence of God. Because he's unholy Isaiah and he's in the presence of almighty holy God. And he's thinking, how is God going to let, how is this even occurring? And, but he didn't let that hold him back. Sometimes people swing to that extreme of thinking, God couldn't use me. I'm just not good enough. I'm, I'm, I've done a lot in my past. I've, I still do a lot of bad things. I, I still struggle. I still, I, my heart is mixed and divided and we can, we can, Think the assignments come, we think, ah, I'm, I'm not good enough. Or we can swing to the extreme opposite of that and, and have an overestimation of ourselves and think, I am pretty good. But Isaiah, he had this real encounter with God, and yet even though he saw his own sinful condition, he experienced God's grace personally. There was an angel that came and, and uh, cleansed him in that moment, and, and then God says, who shall I send? 
Who will go for us? And Isaiah says, here I am. Send me. He experienced God's grace. He experienced God's forgiveness. And then he just he offered up his life to be used by God. And God, God may never ask you to speak up on a stage or to lead in a funeral service. But he, he's not going to just keep you in a safe place if you choose to walk with him. He's going to keep leading you to take risks. He's going to lead you to pray more dangerously. He may lead you to help people that are hurting, and you might be the perfect person for that role through the things you've walked through. Or maybe you think, well, I haven't walked through those things. God, why would you want to use me? He may lead you to help people that are hurting still. And this might sound very scary and frightening to you, but if you're a Christ follower, there there will be some things that God asks you to do that will just lead you far beyond your ability to do them on your own power because he wants you to depend on him. And what helps us to get past our fears is realizing that we could actually be a help to people that need the help if God uses us. And so I would encourage each of us this week to to add this prayer to, to our lives. Use me. Use me. Use me near the people you've got near me. God, there's a... And I want to encourage you, there's a purpose. It's, it's so exciting for, for me to see what God's been doing in the life of our church. And I just keep meeting more and more people who come through invitation. And God's using... God is using us as a church. Coworkers, neighbors, friends, family members. As we make ourselves available to Him, God keeps answering this dangerous prayer. And so I would encourage you, add this to your prayer life. As, as the worship team joins me up on the stage, get, get specific here. Maybe jot down, where do you think God wants to use you this week? Maybe jot down the name or the setting. or Maybe if you have some, some thoughts, if God's been prompting you in, in something specific, get, get real specific and then let's pray in response to that together. Father, we, we thank you for bringing us here this morning. Thank you for these examples in Scripture, which I'm sure we can identify at points with all of these examples. Lord, help us to be people like Isaiah, who, in our response, knowing that you know who we are, you have searched us, you know us, and yet you invite us to to participate with you and to be used right here and right now. So, God, I pray for the people of this church, Lord, that you would give us courage, Lord, to pray this prayer and then help us to respond as you lead us forward and as you give us specific nudges or assignments or promptings, Lord, from your word. Uh, help us to be people who, who don't play it safe, but who are willing to trust you, Lord. And even in those moments when we don't know what we're going to say, Lord, that we would even trust you to to, to, uh, to to get in the situations that lead us to uncomfortable spots so that we could be helpful, Lord, so we could be useful. We desire that, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you've been encouraged by the message and equipped to move forward in obedience to God's Word. Join us again next week for another Orange Crest Community Church podcast. 